Hello and welcome to The Dive Season 7, Episode 17. It's been 17 episodes. God damn. Season 7. Wow, time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> Surely does, Mark. Surely does. There was a comment on the last dive about how much we were making fun of. Yeah, I uh, saw that. The, <laughs> the random things uh, that you were saying. I mean, they definitely hate Mark. Uh, That's were, true. They That's were true. Like, for the record, he was like, we're... no one can convince me otherwise. <laughs> yeah, for the record, he was right. I was like, let's not try and convince him then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No point. Yeah. They, they've seen through the ruse. Mm-hmm. Uh. A lot of stuff to talk about this episode. Actually, a lot of news. Yeah. There's a lot of news. There's the all-pro voting. There's the teams who died. There's the teams still in playoffs. Teams who lived. Teams, teams who are soon to die. A couple not long for the world, probably. But hey, <laughs> all at least kinds of teams. no one dies this week. <laughs> if there's anything to look forward to, all the teams are still going to be in playoffs at the end of this week. Okay. Optimus Mark, my new look. If there's anything to look forward to, it's not that there's going to be good games or like fun matchups. It's going to be that no teams will if be If you're a Dignitas fan, they'll still play again <laughs> next week after the day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Perfect. They don't play this week, they play next week. Uh, right off the rip, this is kind of random, but a bunch of players dealing with like injuries or accidents and whatnot all at the same time. Doublelift tweeted out that he was in the hospital. And um, I know I saw Lena replying that like he had internal bleeding, which to me just sounds incredibly scary. For weeks. Yeah, or so, for a while at so least. So that was why he was feeling sick for the, what, Immortals game? Yeah, so two weeks ago where he said he felt terrible? Or yeah. was it one week ago? I, I can't don't remember. Know the, but, I don't know the whole timeline. I'm going to be honest. I'm not really sure on the but timeline. Yeah, but yeah, it, it's been a while. Yeah. And uh, that is really scary. It is really scary. I mean, dealing, dealing with health issues, like sometimes you're just, you just feel bad and you're kind of just like, ah, well, it'll pass. And it doesn't. And then all of a sudden it turns out it's like a, a serious thing, right? So that's definitely scary for him. It's good that he caught it and is getting it treated and presumably is going to be A-OK. Um, but definitely scary stuff for him. And at the same time, JoJo and Revenge were in a car accident. Uh, they got T-boned, I guess, at an intersection yesterday. L.A. drivers, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Which I also just saw. If you remember history teacher, Chad. He yeah, I saw on, his tweet, he too. He works on Wild Rift. He also got hit <laughs> by a car oh, yeah. while he was also in a car. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> JoJo got hit by a car. It just sounds way weirder than in a car accident. So go with that one as the headline. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, they, they said no injuries there. So, thankfully, they're okay. Yeah. Uh, there's also like the ongoing Faker saga where you know he's been out for a while and T1 looked horrible without him, which is now everyone's just like, well, Faker was the puppeteer. They're all brainless monkeys. Like they all were, <laughs> they all were terrible. You know, like everyone looks bad because Faker isn't there. You know, why are why is Carry a bad all of a sudden when Faker's not there? That's nothing to do with him, right? So. Uh, I feel bad for Poby, you know, swapping in, and he's obviously getting a lot of flame. You're not faker! Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it, it is one of those things that it's just, again, I think, reaffirming how much faker brings to the team and how much faker brings to the org. Uh, because, obviously, he's been around for a long, long time. It's been, it's been quite a few years since I think people would say he's, like, best mid laner in the world. Um, but he is consistently making international finals and regional finals, and he's like, you know, obviously still playing at an incredibly high level. And I think this is showing to people, wow, this guy is still affecting so much more than just just like his individual performance. And I think it's bringing kind of a greater appreciation to new fans uh, of Faker. Yeah, and it's not like so. T1 had other issues, you know, beside nope. this. It's just that no issues. when you when you rip off the Faker tape that is covering the giant <laughs> hole, then it seems like everything came gushing out. Uh, it is really sad, too, for this for this team, because this is the team that's gotten so close so many times, and you're like, all right, 
it's fine. They're still really good. They'll make it happen next time. And now you start to be like, well, maybe not. And maybe you know, when is this the last next time? Oh, yeah, you, that's actually really sad. That, like, actually, that, really that's sad. that's what it makes me think of. Is just like what happened. Like, Holy this is temporary right now. Hopefully, he recovers. But like, there's there's a dark day coming at some point in the future of Loli Sports when Faker's not the like looming presence, final mm -hmm. boss of everything. Even when he doesn't make it to Worlds, he's in the videos. You know, it's like I don't know. The goat's gonna retire at some point. Yeah, are you, were you thinking about it from that? I was angle thinking of about the or this actual up? team oh, yeah, because uh, this squad of of players they keep on getting second. You know, all finals choking, all this stuff. But they're so talented. They had so much promise. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, because yeah, yeah if, if there's no happy ending where it's like you know Caria crying, you know, beside himself after losing finals and all these all these you know almost almost made it multiple times, you know, in international events, international finals, whether it's world semis, world finals, you know, MSI finals, etc. If they never get a win and the team breaks up, that would be sad. That's one of those things because I think, like you said, everyone assumed. At least I'll speak for myself. I definitely assumed that they were going to stay together and eventually they were going to get over the hump and win one. Yeah. And then I thought maybe, hey, the floodgates could actually open because this team, it it felt like a bit of a mental block. You know, Zayas in particular, I think he has been a lot worse in the high pressure games. Um, but you know, they haven't had their kind of moment. And I always kind of assumed, yeah, that they would eventually win one and then they could maybe just rip off a bunch in a row. But who knows if, if Faker doesn't return this split, imagine if they like, you know, are, are having like a, a good ending to the split. Maybe the team starts to break up and they make other changes. That would be crazy. I love sad movies. And so this <laughs> would be a great ending. <laughs> not not the faker being injured part, but like the like the never get over the hump, you uh, know, and you, the, he fades to black and the text appears on screen. Too bad, kid. There's not all happy endings. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Basically. Yep. That would be. Uh, I love No Country for Old Men. That's my favorite movie. Sad that, ending. That is a really good movie. That's a really good movie. That's, I, movie. that's a good Drive. choice. <laughs> I'll shut up. <laughs> Otherwise, this podcast will turn to a No Country for Old Men <laughs> podcast. Yep. Stop me before I get started. No country for old carrier. Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> All right. Well, I I for one hope they have a happy ending. I I don't mind sad stuff, but I do like a happy ending. I will say that. I do like a happy. Ending. I also like a happy ending. What if about you, you Mark? You like if, no, I like sad endings <laughs> because that, if you like the sad ending, you're never disappointed. But if you like happy endings, you're sad when you get a sad ending. That's true. I'm happy no matter what. Do you like the sad endings because they're more rare? It like if it if it was so common that all the all movies you know would always have these these sad endings. No, just but it's done well, honestly. Uh -huh. If you want my honest like uh -huh. movie hat on, like I think uh, blockbuster Hollywood feel good stuff. I get it, but when someone does like a sad movie with like a good point, it's just like rips your heart out. You're like, oh, this is why I feel things. For me, I know <laughs> it's definitely a certain factor is the novelty, and it's like, oh man, this is it's so rare and yeah. and edgy to have the main character actually lose, you know, type of thing. I I think one thing for me that makes them enjoyable at times, I do like happy endings, but one thing that does is, is it can feel like, hey, that's actually a bit more real, right? It's like things don't always work out, right? Everything doesn't always work out. And there can be like a lesson and an interest in that too. So uh, for me, that's kind of part of it. Yeah. Like I said, I think it really depends on what it's doing. Because I think there's like the sad ending where it's like, and then they don't get back together. The love story that doesn't end with the ha We're so different. But like that, <laughs> that doesn't do it for me. But you know, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm down. For some, as five, long, cent as five long centimeters a second, baby. As long as point. there's a point yeah. to the character's suffering, I'm yeah. down for yeah, 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 yeah. I don't like this. So I don't like misery porn or yeah, like whatever yeah, it's yeah. called. You know, where you just like everything goes bad. Everything goes. There you don't. <laughs> everything goes against the main character. Well, this is a difference. You like Farseer trilogy. I don't. 
I did not enjoy. I only read the first book of that, but I was like, I'm over this. Yeah, you're just gonna torture Which, Fitz the whole time. Fitz. I I liked Farseo trilogy too. Yeah, I mean, I, it's a good. Don't get me wrong, it's yeah. a good series, but I was just like, ugh. I mean, to me, we're getting really off topic. <laughs> uh, we, we should probably move on before this literally becomes. So a what you get with the morning episode? <laughs> yeah, Whatever comes yeah. in, boop boop. Yeah, I mean, this is this is. This, I, I could talk about fantasy books a lot. I know. I literally we read need them to every do an off-topic, off-season one where it's nothing league-related, and yeah, we just bounce yeah, like Because now yeah. I'm just like, I must respond. It's just like bubbling up. Okay, we're gonna move on. Um, Riot has removed the uh, the feature to spectate high elo games through the leaderboard. Oh my god, that's tragic. So the tragic. Captain sad Flowers ending. in shambles. Yeah, side ending for Captain Flowers. Neutral ending for everyone else because no one else used the tool. I, I'm also pretty sad. <laughs> yeah. When's the last time you used Spectate through I, through that? It was like a couple months ago. Okay. I remember being frustrated that there weren't very many eyeballs. Yeah. Um. And I so that's why I was like, was there a way to like turn it off or something? Because I felt like I, I've had I had people on my friends list like Pobelter or something that's should should be on there and you fi- and I find them on the thing and there's no eyeball. Um, so well, maybe I, it's like a privacy setting. Where so yeah, I I didn't know if there was like it, it didn't always put them all up there, or if there was some kind of setting that you could turn off, or if maybe if you're on like, do I don't know, yeah, yeah. server something maybe so, doesn't pop you up there. I was I already wish that there was more, but I, Captain Flowers use it every single day. He's always spectating. Yeah, he he spec he just like sits on league and spectates. Yeah, he, like he eats on there all the time. I know like uh, it's kind of a funny story, but like he was saying when they were talking about you know making changes to spectate in the client and stuff, they like talk to him about it because he was one of the only people who uses this thing like almost no one uses the tool and he uses it a ridiculous amount so i think he was in some some like crazy percentile of like you know top top point zero zero one percent of people like use it like of actual use he's a challenger spectator he's a challenger spectator definitely so he, he's he's in there watching your games even if you don't know it so you better be good or Kevin <laughs> he, will... he actually did that to me one time and then he was streaming my games and i was oh. like oh <laughs> oh. <been> violated. Yeah. <laughs> no, no and warning. I was not winning that game either. <laughs> you should have DM me, been like Kobe. You better play well. He got yeah, a couple extra thousand eyeballs on down mid after <laughs> yeah. arguing with his top laner. Yeah. I I, fa- I knew because some people were tweeting at me, oh <laughs> and I was like, "What's going on here?" Whoops, that's funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, it makes sense in like the kind of modern landscape where you have high elo streamers, you have YouTube VODs, and it's like so easy to watch the games that you want to watch. If you're like, I want to look at this matchup, like it's easier actually through these other services. I, I just also think part of the reason not that many people use it is because how would you know? Yeah. No, nobody goes over the rank tab is hard to get to now. You have to purposely navigate a couple of tabs to get to the ranked tab for solo and duo like 40 and then in there you have to the go games. to challenger and like know that there's this weird it, it looks like an eyeball it could be something else i don't know yep <laughs> a marble, it's an eyeball. deflating beach ball or something i don't know anyways it's yeah you wouldn't know so yeah. it, it's not like the old days where the original was front, front and center yeah. it's literally like a rotating thing on the default um yeah you know client yeah. that would have Top one or whatever, and you know, yeah, click on it's, that, it's a self fulfilling prophecy a little bit because front page screen space is valuable, and you want to put yeah more import important in air quotes things on there, and then you put it behind a couple more clicks to get through, and then yeah. every click is a step that someone's not going to take, and then yeah. next thing you know, no one's using it because it's been a new generation of players, and they didn't know to look for it. And I'd also say even for myself, just the more that gets added into the client, as far as like there's like you know all these different splash pages for different things and whatever. 
I, it just becomes so much that I just stop paying attention to any of it. So I, I would feel like people are probably just clicking around in the, in the client less in general. I think for most people just open it up, click play, and that's about that, right? Because there's so many different pages now, and there's like even like I've been playing TFT, and then there's like currently there's like the regular TFT battle pass, the TFT Soul Fighter battle pass, the League of Legends Soul Fighter battle pass. There's like and then there's three different pages even for those three different battle passes, and then there's the different event pages, and there's just like so many things yeah. i still click around on everything to see the little shiny dots see if there's any free stuff yeah. anytime you oh <laughs> get, my god get a little free coin here oh, get a little free coin if, there if you put a little dot next to an icon i'm like i have to click it what is that <laughs> notification <laughs> i hate notifications i have them all turned off my phone for that reason i can't do it the worst is when they won't go away though yeah you're yeah. like what is this yeah um, I will avoid tangenting again because i will if i i don't shut up so all, all right. pro voting discussion Moving ahead, powering through, on and on. We had to submit our all-pro votes last night. I'm going to say it right at the beginning. I forgot. I was going to let you pass. <laughs> I know, but I was like, huh, do I try and get through the whole thing and just play off like, oh, yeah, I totally did mine on time, guys. Uh, so I, I voted was, for this. So I was, was, was going to be honest. Last night. I can't lie. So it was, <laughs> it was due last night. We were talking about it before the episode. I'm like, so do we want to talk about our full uh, our full votes? Kobe's like, our full votes? <laughs> I was going to let Kobe pass. Uh, <laughs> I was not going to call him out in front of the class. You know, it'd be like, this guy didn't do his homework. But... I'm a really bad liar. <laughs> so I was just like, you know what? <laughs> Take me in. We we, we got to third team all pro and Kobe. We just had like a sweating meltdown. You know, <laughs> the, the meme with the. <laughs> like, I, yeah, what I, we should have done is start slipping in awards that weren't there. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey Kobe, who'd you vote for the for the, you know, best effort award? And I'm you're like, like, oh, is that new as they did yeah, they add yeah, that new new award? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I saw that one for sure. <laughs> uh, I voted for insanity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you put in a lot of effort. All right. Uh, do you want to go by position or do you want to go by team? In in your estimation, like first team, second team, third team. Oh, um, we could we could do What's whatever. I, what is more fun? But I think position by position kind of makes some sense because easier to debate with, things. You can talk within the role. Yeah. Um. Do you, do you just want to like drop them down there? Yeah. I mean, for for me, uh, for top lane, I ended up. I mean, I think a lot of people will probably end up in pretty similar. Uh, I had Licorice first team, Summit second team, and Fudge third team. Swap two and three for me, and I'm the same. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Ooh. for for me, like. I, I felt like top was the one I struggled with the most. I know I messaged you about this after. I, I think you said you didn't really have that many struggles. Mm -hmm. I felt like licorice was clear. And then, honestly, I felt like there was arguments against and for a number of different players in there. Um, I think Summit obviously had such an incredible laning phase. You talk to any top laner, they're going to tell you about how good he is in lane. But he also has a ridiculous amount of ISO deaths. This is just mm -hmm. pr this problem that has plagued him his whole career. Like he dies so much inside lanes and stuff by himself, and it is a real problem, right? It actually costs them games, and that's something you have to detract from him. Then you look down at Fudge. I think Fudge had a pretty unremarkable season. I also think if you want to be a detractor from him, if you want to be a bit of a negative Nancy about it, it's like, well, you were on a really good team, and you kind of just looked pretty decent, right? Which is like way easier to do, which then made me start thinking about, well, what about like Impact? What about Rich? Impact looked pretty good. He was like, he was pretty solid and he was on a crap team, right? Like that seems way harder to do than on, than Fudge. So then I started kind of getting in, into those kind of d debates with myself. I'm like, well, Rich had some really bad games, but Rich also had, had some really good ones where he kind of hard carried Dig, again, on a bad team. 
Um, I had so rich, then I started to I, I had rich pretty high. If I had done my votes <laughs> on time, I I definitely would have. I, I would have put him either two or three for sure. Yeah, for, I was just because a lot. of the good ones. Because I know, like, you can you can always point to, oh yeah, the Alawi game that was you know zero yeah. five at like ten minutes or that whatever really like bad, that. Yeah. I'm like, okay, fine, but like. That was a super extremely bad game, but he had so many really good ones. Yeah. And Dignitas, without him, looked so bad. Yeah. He completely revitalized this team. Everybody on the team has such good things to say about him. Every opponent has such good things yep. to say about him. Uh, so that that one I definitely uh, it, it, was it a was... little surprised. Did, did you say he was your third or he wasn't on? No, I didn't, didn't, put, him, I didn't put him in my top three. I mean, when I really dug into a lot of the individual games, the thing that I felt hard was that it's like, even though Fudge was not such a standout, he didn't really have a lot of bad games. He was yeah. very consistent, right? Like, yes, So was. it's like, yeah, like Rich had... The one that everyone points to is that Alawi game where he like picks Alawi and Kasante and gets solo kill, what, two two times, I think? But yeah. he kept chain dying in the same way. <laughs> Um, uh, but, but he had he had a, he had quite a few other games that were like negative gaming experiences. Yeah, I was gonna say like the Alawi one stands out, but there were like he had the really hot streak mm-hmm. to start, and then there were a number of games where either he couldn't get it done or was actually a problem. Uh, he had I think a second Quinn game. He had like the one Quinn game that he won. Then he had a second or third Quinn game, which was like really not inspiring, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, he. I, I really like Rich, but me for too. me, I, I do care about consistency. And I also, I was thinking a lot about like how to frame the like uh, recency bias topic that often comes up around voting. And on the one hand, every game counts the same. It's, you know, 18 games. How did you perform across 18 games? But also, there's like a narrative that does matter, which is like you're supposed to be improving across the split. And so like the way I phrase it in my head is like, just to make the logical argument is if you had a player who had nine great games and nine terrible games. How you break those nine and nine up actually matters a lot. If you had nine great ones at the start and then nine terrible ones at the end, you're probably not giving that guy all pro because he fell off a cliff. But if you had nine terrible ones to start, nine great ones at the end, this guy... Wow, look at his improvement. He got so good. If it's just nine and nine, every game alternating, wow, this guy's really inconsistent, you know? And it, it does matter how you do. And so for me... A lot of Rich's like stuff was really good at the start of the year, and then it felt like it dropped off, and he couldn't keep carrying, and they ended up seventh versus yeah. when they were in the top half of the league. And you know, is that the end all be all of why? No, because like you said, I think Fudge was actually very consistent the entire time. Um, Fudge, Fudge so, was Fudge was a bigger drop off to where he was than that's like, where compared I think, to the rest of the league. That's where I think people think, like he was clear number one All Pro last split, he's best not. top laner, and he's not now. And I'm like, that doesn't mean he played bad. It doesn't mean he wasn't top three. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I to the point of like Rich was on a much worse team though. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I struggled is uh, because how much do you credit to being on a good team and stuff? Also, there's a argument that Fudge kept bringing up about the jungle always going bottom, but that's every top laner. Fudge was not the lowest no. jungle proximity top laner. There were four above him. Solo, Hanser, Someday, and Rich all had less jungle proximity than Fudge as well. Yeah. In yeah. the early game. Yeah, I mean, I was I was digging into all the jungle proximity. I was digging into opponent, uh, opposing jungle proximity. I was looking at, like, you know, like a lot of the forward percentage stuff. I was going back and checking games. Like, so, you know, I spent a fair bit of time on it because, like, I, I was really trying to, like, I don't know. I almost felt like I was trying to convince myself not to put Fudge on it because I was like, you know what? He did have a big drop off. I feel like some of these guys deserve it, but it's really hard because it's there's it's so hard to define what you would have done on a better team. And the reality is, there's a reason why people on better teams end up 
getting all pro more often because your yeah. your your performance is amplified by that of your teammates, right? Um, and there are mistakes that are going to get papered over by by your your team's your team successes, and it's impossible to know what that would look like if you if you just like transplant someone onto another team, right? Like my expectation is that if Rich was on Cloud Nine, he would have looked really good, but it's hard, it's hard to say. Exactly, sure. I think that's the thing that like you kind of have to accept what you were handed. Yeah, because exactly. you could say, oh yeah, Rich on C9 with better teammates would be so much better, but maybe he just continues to like demand like play yeah he plays too inconsistently for this team to achieve the same level that they can hit with fudge and then play around berserker more or something you know like like look at summit right if some if Summit was on a bad team he'd probably play the exact same way he'd stop you in lane and then he'd he'd die in a side lane but then you'd be like oh well his team's not good so he has to try harder and like you you don't know what's going to happen when they join these teams that's why for me it's like yeah i really and to be clear too there's some splits where you say someone's like top six and like that's kind of an insult because there's like actually only three good players i actually think top lane pool is insane this split yeah, to be fair like i don't think rich is bad on the seventh place team i think that the majority of top laners in this league right now are actually pretty good um but it's there's only three votes yep i mean even even um i mean i think dokla had definitely had a drop off but it was like i was talking about this where it was like in spring we were talking about oh maybe he's like you know top four now he's probably like eighth right it's like the competition, I think, went up. I don't think it was just that he was playing worse. I think that competition top lanes are really high right now. Um, you know, Impact, Someday, uh, Revenge, you know, Rich, etc. These guys all had, I think, solid splits at the end of the day. Um, but it still puts you, some of them down to, like, sixth, seventh best top laner in the league, right? And I think that is just kind of the reality of the role right now. And I, I come to the same conclusion that you do, Mark, whereas it's like, at the end of the day, you have to vote based on what what actually happened, not what could have happened if they were on a better team or on a worse team or whatever. So that's why I ended up with Fudge third. Um, but that was this was definitely the role where I had the most kind of like internal strife, I guess. Yeah. yeah, this one's definitely the most packed. There's also always the difficulty of with top laners like Impact that do provide a lot that we don't get to see, you know, mm-hmm. yep. e- either in the games or in the stats because. Uh, you know, it's about shot calling in game. It's about uh, review and getting the team uh, game plan. He actually did an interview with Travis where he was talking about how he actually did way more micromanaging of teammates and that type of in-game shot calling stuff on his previous teams on EG and Team Liquid even. Uh, to a, Maybe you should to do some more on FlyQuest. Then FlyQuest, and, and he was like, well, it's because the, a lot of the FlyQuest people already, they talk a lot, and there's a lot of a lot of big voices. And I was like, man, they should have given Impact the reins, and they should have told the other ones to quiet quiet down. Maybe maybe it would have looked different. Um, but yeah, I mean, that guy knows how to win. Yeah, exactly. And, and there were so, a lot of the games. I mean, FlyQuest, because they had so many losses and so many bad games, they kind of blurred together, and so there's this... There's this phenomenon where the ones where Impact still played really well, and you're like, man, I feel so bad for Impact. He's playing so well, and fuck what suck, and they're just keeping him down. Like those things rise, rise to the top. And so I have so many memories of like, man, Impact though, he's still playing so well. Look at that Poppy's making all these plays, and they just lose anyways. Doesn't matter. Uh, it's it's hard to separate those. Yep, it is tough. On to jungle, you want to let yeah. it rip first, Mark? Yeah, sure. I'll go first. Uh, Blabber River. Pioshik were my my top three. Okay. Yeah, I think that's probably most people's. Jungle's got to be the, the most set, especially with Blabber and River. Yeah, Bla- yeah. Blabber River, I think, is going to be everyone's one, two. Maybe there will be yeah, some you swaps. Because um, I know I did hear some arguments, especially from people team side, that they, that they were like, no, 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 River should be above Blabber. Um, a lot of people were really impressed by him. 
Uh, but I, I don't think that there was there wasn't really anyone. I was trying to think like who could actually make their way into the top three beyond this because I think Piotrek actually had a pretty darn good split. But I was trying to think, okay, who am I who am I snubbing? And I was looking through and I didn't really feel like I was snubbing anyone. Yeah, the third place feels like maybe one boogie, of opportunity. Yeah, really feel like I was gonna say boogie. I think maybe contracts. I think he had some int games, but in the games that they won, Ooh. he was very good. He had he had a lot of really good like Ivern games and Poppy games, mm-hmm. and I think he's probably the one I feel like I snubbed the most. Contracts also literally as a jungle, a late game win. Like he's the reason they win when he gets the pick. There were multiple games. It was like two in one week even where CLG or <laughs> holy energy are winning. That's a hard one, man. To, to get yeah. non rational yeah. game. Especially for me, because I really was made the team. Yeah. Um they're where they're losing. And then it's like I remember the the one clearly where I think it was FlyQuest actually they split half their people on Elder and the rest of them you know were kind of around mid mm-hmm. and it's like contracts runs out and he's on probably and boom he gets a stun and they get a pick and then even though they're so far behind they should lose off of those picks they run and they actually yeah. kill the Nexus and then there was another one where he gets another pick and and they actually win the whole game. I thought that's pretty rare for junglers for it for is, late game for sure. I mean the the hard thing for me with with energy is just. They had a lot of really bad games, right? Yeah. Like really bad games and against, against bad against teams. Really bad teams, which to me was kind of like a double a double whammy. Where yeah. it's like you didn't just have a bit of an off game against like Blabber, like you had horrible games against the worst teams in the league. Yeah, I, I was Palafox came in to the analyst desk when we were doing the, like player of the match or player of the week interview, and he was like, "What do I have to do to get an uh, all pro?" In like not confrontational, just being like, "Hey, seriously, like I want to get an all pro at some point, you know? Like why do you think I'm not getting them?" Kind of thing. And like we didn't, we, we talked about some things, but the thing I wish I had said to him then was like just consistency. Like NRG as a team, every split finishes top half and like does pretty good. But like it's always these late season like final week pushes, or they'll yeah. int when it really matters. It feels like, or again these losses to bad teams when like the people that edge them out often are not having these problems uh, quite as much. So yeah. while a lot of them are very skilled and like I think top end could easily make all pro, we talked about Dokla last split being borderline, Palafox was actually, I went back and looked, I think he was my second vote actually last mm. split. Like I voted for him before, but to like get the whole community bought in, you have to avoid giving detractors ammo kind of. Exactly. A lot. I was going to say a lot of people, the way that they're thinking about it, and I, and I do this myself too. I mean, my process is basically like, off, just off the top of my head, who do I think it is? And then I start to go like to think and, and challenge my assumptions and verify. Um, but a lot of the way that I'll do that is I'll be like, oh yeah, I think these guys, you know, because and what will often stand out is like the best games. And then I'll start thinking about, okay, well, like what about their bad games? Like what are the things that are kind of like these things you can kind of like knock away at them and chip away at their case for? And I think that's what often works against energy in some of these guys is that they have had a lot of bad games that you can start to chip away at their case a little bit more easily than some of the people that are, you know, a bit more consistent or on more consistent teams. Um, but Jungle, I think, was definitely was definitely fairly competitive uh, past top two, but I felt like top two was clear yeah. uh, that Blabber, Blabber and, and River, you know, are again... Uh, at the top of the table, I know from talking to some people that, that were kind of like detractors of Blabber. The Blabber detractors were kind of saying, "Ah, like he doesn't have to do much, you know. Like his te- <laughs> his lanes are all just doing it themselves. That's why he can just power farm." I am of the opinion that it's like 
he deserves the credit for being able to keep his farm really high while also having highest K plus A, you know, like kills and assists at 14. Like he is just so efficient. It's like if you can farm the whole game and everyone feels like you're farming the whole game, but you're also getting the most kills and ganks and, and plays that work, that just means you're really fucking good at jungling, right? Like that is the goal. That is what you want to be able to do. Jungle is an efficiency-based role, so you're, you, as, he's just accomplishing more total, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh man, you get demerits for having too much farm. You're like, huh? <laughs> uh, I mean, yes, he does. Uh, he has had some some really good teammates to play with. I know that the solo laners this time around, this split, were a little bit weaker. Yep. Um, uh, Berserker, obviously very good, and Zven, I feel like. Has started to have some really good rel games, so even played, uh, you know, engaged supports uh, pr pretty well um, too. For which is important when you're playing like Kindred, you need to have uh, engaged support uh, to be able to lead you and stuff like that. But Blabber and River are just the two different styles of jungling mm -hmm. where you can go super gank heavy and sacrifice more of your farm to to play really hard for your lanes, and that's the way that you can come up with these more elaborate gank paths that everybody loves for River. And they're like, oh my God, he's so smart. I like how he got around this vision. He knew that ward was there. And so he jumped over this or like he showed on this one purposely and then walks all the way around and has a sweeper here. And that, that part of jungling is really fun. That's what made me fall in love with it initially. But Blabber's part is equally, if not in some cases, even more important. Uh, and the efficiency, like, you can't get away from efficiency as a jungler because every second of your time is needed somewhere. You have to be accomplishing something. Yeah, I, I think it's cool to have the dichotomy. I think Blabber, 17.7 CSD at 14, next closest is one. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else is lower than that. It's like, yeah, he has the lowest team proximity to your point because he can power farm or whatever, but, like, no one feels like he's a low-pressure jungler where you just don't see him on the map. He's not doing things, and... I think, you know, maybe part of the reason is because he's counter-jungling the other guy and, like, that guy feels annoyed and, like, he's just doing smart things the whole time. I am a, a huge blabber stan and, like, I think River had an incredible split and actually made it way closer than I thought he would. Yeah. Um, but can't do it. Uh, with jungle, you also have to look at mechanics. There's some junglers that can get by with less than... Uh, <laughs> Sejuani duty! Less Woo! than impressive mechanics, let's say. Uh, but bo both of those guys have, have really, really good mm -hmm. mechanics. Very, very quick reaction times, too. One of the things that also always stood out to me about Blabber is I, I remember talking to some different <clears throat> pros, and they were kind of just complaining that, like, Blabber's always there, man. It's like, well, why don't you do this? And he's like, well, because Blabber's going to be there, right? And it's like... It's statistically, like, no. Statistically, no. But, like, that, that to me just tells me that he's, he's right place, right time a lot of the time, right? Because it feels like, oh, you know, well, I could have killed this guy, but Blabber's going to be there in the bush, so, like, I can't do it, right? And that, I do think, speaks to, you know, really intelligent, really efficient jungler, someone who um, can always be, you know, with their lanes when they need to be, but not overspending time. You know, when they're out of mana, they need their wave fix, Blabber's going to be there. When they need a counter gank at a crit critical moment, when they're going to be vulnerable, Blabber's often going to be there. And I think that can be uh, said about River as well. Yeah, I think <clears throat> the final thing that I love about Blabber is just, like, the fact that he can make entire team identities around his play style and comps and stuff like the kindred melio uh ash comp is so clearly broken yet no one else seems to have played it or even tried it um 
And I think it's most likely because so much of that comp hinges around the fact that you have a psychopath kindred who's ahead of the game, and like the Melio stands behind him, puts cozy campfire, and goes, "Go blabber!" And, and he's blabber just, like, just starting fights. And then they, they, you're like, "Well, I guess I have to jump on this kindred who's just running at my face." And then you engage on him, and he always gets his alt off. He never, not one. Like I can see this comp looking so dumb, where the kindred's jumping forward like a maniac, gets chain CC'd and died. I don't think that ever happened when they ran this comp. So it's insane. I think part of that is that because Blabber has so many mains, champions, yeah. and stuff like that, he's not labeled as, oh my god, this Omega Kindred threat. Because we have other good Kindreds in the league, a world champion with the world champion skin. Mm -hmm. um, but it gets yeah, and, banned. You know, yeah, and, and other players that are like Kindred is their main champion, like Kenvi and stuff. So um, it's, yeah. I think that Blabber is just because he's good at so many different junglers, he doesn't get that that label, and so it gets through a lot to the point of like the whole pack of three getting through, especially with them even talking about it themselves as like, this is our best like guaranteed win comp. They said that on stage in the interview, and then they get it again in, you know, end of season, Lim <laughs> end of limit season game, for sure. and you're like, we already tested this. We don't need to test it again is is pretty pretty funny i will say with all the like the blabber love fest we still remember the games where cloud nine over chases and a lot of times it's bladder lead blabber leading that over chase he does get over aggressive at times so like this is not a player that is without faults yep with you know even i also agree to you know i vote him or would have voted him number one but he definitely has his his faults as well Okay, absolutely. Uh, on to mid lane, uh, since you did last one, I can say uh, this one. I had JoJo first. I don't think that is going to be uh, How know, dare you? much of a surprise. I think, again, top two is probably going to be pretty set in stone. I think JoJo Gori is mm -hmm. going to be what almost everyone has. I had Palafox third. Um, I think that may be a bit atypical. I think a lot of people probably are going to do MS. and um, But that was, that was my top three. I had Insanity instead. Mm, okay. I think um, I considered him as well. He fell off a little bit. He did, um, and I am not thrilled about that. I would have loved to have been able to like slam him confidently in my top three. You're just gonna I mean, slid slid in slide him under the door. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think the the case I would make for insanity before we jump back up to top two. I, I, I feel the same way we kind of talked about junglers, where there's a clear top two, and the third you can kind of make cases yep. for and against each. The case for insanity is he probably had more BS that he had to deal with in terms of being signed late as a sub, not having a guaranteed spot, getting subbed out. Watching this guy come in, lose three games, come back in, start playing again, um, and it's it's really hard to know exactly what would have happened had he been the starter the whole time. But given the situation, he clearly helped this team get way more wins than any of anyone in the entire community predicted. No one had them top yeah. above top eight. And I'm they did sure. test it for three games with Ruby, and you saw how it looked, <laughs> which like kind of proves how important he yeah. is in some ways, which is like definitely in, involved like involved with my voting. Is I'm like I saw what this team was supposed to be, and we all thought that's what that team was, and with Insanity, they were a different team. Um, he brought so much proactivity to the team, I felt like. Yeah, and, and a lot of it's not going to come through in stats. I try to f make a compelling stats argument for him. It's not really there. It's all fine, but it's not like, oh, this guy's like insano. But he, when you watch the games, he's very proactive on the map, pushes, works with Boogie. Boogie mm -hmm. has this more river style, like wanting to camp lanes and make ganks happen, and uh, I think having like a mid-jungle 2v2 that actually functioned helped enable Boogie a lot more. You could see that Boogie was night and day when it was Ruby yeah. there versus Sandy. Found his own style too, right? Like yeah. he was playing like a ton of different marksmen and whatnot yep. um, in mid between Kaisa and, and Tristan Graves and whatnot. So I, I felt like he, he was definitely, there was 
like a, a three pack of mid laners that could have been third to me, yeah. and it was like you know, choose your starter, Palfox your, yeah. or, or uh, MS. Yeah. yeah, I think those were the ones that were kind of in the debate for me. I went Palfox just because I felt like Palfox, similar to how I felt about Rich, but I felt like it was on a higher level. I felt like he was the reason for so many of their wins. Mm-hmm. He had so many pop off games, especially these last couple weeks. Uh, over the last two three weeks, it was like you know nine zero eight LeBlanc, seven zero eight Tristana, nine kill Yone. Um, the eight kill R game in a loss. Like he, he had so many games where I was I was going back and it was like when I was casting the game or watching the games, either he does carry them to a victory or I'm saying on the cast, well, it's up to Palafox now because he has all the gold, right? And and I felt like he put his team in a position to win a lot of times. And I think he had some strong performances even in losses. I don't think he was faultless by any means. The whole team kind of has to take some L's for losing all these bad teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did think that he had so many standout performances that I thought really pushed them across uh, the finish line to, to get a lot more wins than they would have otherwise. Yeah, I think it's really close with, with <clears throat> MNS because MNS also had a lot yep. of a lot of really, really good games. And it's it's hard because there are some games where you're just like, oh my God, you know, Blabber just carried so hard, so I guess he doesn't get as much credit. Or Berserker carried so hard, so ah, we're not really looking over here and you don't get as much credit. Um, if I'm submitting my votes right now, I think I go. I think I go Palafox also though. He he put in so much work and he was sick for the beginning of the the win streak as well, um, and he had to do a lot of work. Doka mm-hmm. was way underperforming this split. I feel like compared to previous splits from him, their bottom lane change that they made for energy hit and miss. never really panned out. So I just feel like this split more than ever there was so much pressure on contracts and Palafox for that team, and they definitely deserve the credit. Yeah, uh, I'm very happy that they, they kind of rallied. I think they ended up finishing fifth, yeah. 9-9. Uh, yeah. 9 just, I, I don't know why the last week. Golden Guardian special, they delivered. Yeah, <laughs> just the last week killed me, where it's like, they beat C9, oh my god, they're so good. And it's then actually they, crazy that they went 0-2 to Immortals. Yeah, and then they, they, they <laughs> lose to IMT. That's crazy. And then they lost to GG, and uh they lost two games to Immortals. Come on, bro. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's why I'm like, I don't know. It's just like, it's just painful. Bad. Yeah. 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 We skipped over the teams that didn't. Uh, oh no, we're still doing that later. Sorry, yeah, we're gonna do that later. Yeah. Um, I mean, we we should talk a little bit about the top two. Uh, obviously there are gonna be some JoJo detractors. He does have some games where he has silly deaths, but I will say I have seen very rarely a player improve upon their weaknesses so quickly as as jojo i think jojo also had an off split whether that was because of lack of practice or just whatever i don't know um but he didn't do well in spring at all but even comparing jojo last year to to this year he has fixed so many issues it is crazy like he had the summit problem he was mid lane summit last split exactly where he's just in a side lane and he's gonna die and this split i feel like teams tried to prey on that so hard they're sending four after JoJo. They're sending three after JoJo. They're constantly going to sidelines after him. They're attacking him in mid lane constantly. And he really did not fall prey to that anywhere close to as much as, as he did in the past. And that is a hard problem to solve because that is this like instinctual thing where you have to feel um, that you're doing the right thing. And I think the fact that he had that improvement, he maintained some incredible levels of dominance in mid lane 1v1s, which was pretty astounding. And he was managing to do that in a split where I think it could have been pretty easy for him to just kind of give up because four out of five of the members of EG got got wiped. 
they were going towards what was going to be basically a budget roster. They lost their superstar, you know, jungler, uh, you know, the pairing that, that a lot of people kind of gave credit to JoJo for succeeding with. With, um, and he's having to do shot calling. He's having to uh, take on a lot more responsibilities in the game. And he also, I think, was having to make up for some mistakes of, of his teammates in game. One of the things that I felt like he did a lot was. You know, there was games where he could be doing pretty well in the 1v1, but he's having to drop waves to actually go bot and help them uh, because their wave state is messed up or because they are, you know, in a difficult situation. And I felt like he was just such a, a complete player, this this split. And I think he was by far and away the reason for EG's success. And I think it's pretty damn impressive that, you know, amidst a split that I think had a lot of turmoil for the org uh, with all these changes, he had by far his best split ever. He made incredible improvements. He maintained a lot of his strengths, and he added a lot of new tools to his wheelhouse. I mean, with with all of the teams trying to attack mid so much versus them, he still pulled off a blabber gap in CS for, for mid laners. He was massively ahead of anybody else for CS difference with how aggressively he played these mm -hmm. lanes and how a lot of the times, too, he's the main win condition for the team. And then he's also he also has these really big games where he plays Ari and has to make all these picks for the team to be able to win. And and that was even with uh, there was that one game like with the absolutely doomed level one where they did five man invade for red buffs tried to smite it didn't get it. I think he I think he lost flash I can't remember and he also lost a bunch of HP and then he went like negative sixty CS on Gory because they got super pounded that game. Yeah. So even with some like a game like that, his stats are still incredible as far as uh, CSD. CSD at ten is ten point four. Next closest is 3.7 and, and I think uh, without that one like negative 60 game or whatever yeah. it's even like way crazier uh, plus I know we were talking about this the other day when I was hanging out at the AD waiting to cast the tiebreaker games um, you know Mark was looking it up and I looked in this yesterday as well he has the highest uh, enemy JP like around him so jungler spend the most time around him in mid lane compared to any other mid laner yeah. and he was about middle of the pack as far as uh, assistance he actually got from his own junglers as far as jungle proximity so it's like by all metrics this guy is being attacked constantly he was also the highest enemy support proximity uh, of any mid laner in the league like teams entire game plans is screw Jojo stop Jojo and they still couldn't do it. And I want to point out because uh, the stats are, the stats don't universally mean the same thing. Um, when he has jungle proximity for for JoJo, a lot of the times is him going to his jungler to help his jungler for an invade on like red buff or something like that, right? So it's uh yeah, it's it, definitely not just the one way street. No, too. no, no. And I think the fact that you saw. They had the mid-season slump. They brought in Shaden. They 3-0 with Shaden, too. It's like, I know Armeo. I feel bad for him getting subbed out, and that's a whole other conversation to have. But, like, it at least shows that, like, JoJo can function regardless of, like, kind of what's going on around him when he's playing really well. And I think, you know, not to get too far into the MVP conversation, but that's why he's in this MVP conversation is because, like, I can't imagine EG with almost any other mid laner in the league. And even Gory, like, uh, I don't know how he would function on this particular team just because it's clear language issues would, would arise and stuff like that whereas like the Golden Guardians who is the second team all pro mid laner I think is also insane I think that he is one of the best playmakers in the league working with River and who he to get stuff done I just don't think you could actually translate anyone into JoJo's shoes and expect this team to be top three like they are yep. um, so yeah I, I'm definitely in there I really like Gory for what it's worth I think he's super good uh, and I, I, I think they have the best mid jungle in the league yeah the there was a, there was a, a this or that I think which was yep. a really good one uh, whoever cooked that one up
compliments to the producer. Um, compliments to the chef. Yeah, uh, that was that was a really good one because I agree. Yeah, the, the mid jungle for and even mid jungle support for Golden Guardians. Yep. yep, best yeah. best in the league. Yep, and Golden Guardians is legit really good. And and yeah, I do think that Corey had had a had a really amazing split. And I think in if you if you like just transplanted this split that he had into I don't know, like the last six splits or something, he probably would have been first team, like three or four of them. You know what I mean? Like it was it was a pretty exceptional split from JoJo, I think, to to kind of knock him down. So I don't think it really takes away from the accomplishments mm-hmm. uh, that Gory did have because I think he had an incredible season. Yep, definitely agree. Moving on ahead to 80 carries, my top three. <gasps> this Berserker one, number one? This one is like the top lane situation for me where I think legitimately there's like six or seven or eight good 80 carries in the LCS. Well, not for or third necessarily, for, okay. but just like it's it's a stacked pool. You yep. know, we're talking about slot in whoever you want for third for the other ones. I think there's legitimate cases to be made for a lot yeah. of people in this one. I think number one and two are pretty set. Berserker sticks A. Yep. Third for me is Unforgiven. Okay. I think there's cases made for Yawn, even for Dude. Double Lift. I went, Any wild turtles in the house? Turtles. Turtle, I think, it is in there too. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people you can put in the third one. Um, I was really hard pressed between particularly Unforgiven and Yawn for me. That was what I was debating as well. They feel like opposites, where Unforgiven is pretty unremarkable in the lane phase. Yeah. Um, you know, can sometimes get shut down through the lane phase and then kind of have no and impact Joe on the game. Had to help him. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that happens. Uh, but if he gets out of lane phase on track, pretty damn good in team fights. Yawn, combined with Core JJ, which is probably where my, my docking of Yawn comes from, is like, ah, Yawn is really good in lane, but I think Core is leading that lane. Uh, but but Jan is really good in lane. He's actually still a good and team Kor fighter. And was pretty butt for the last couple for like a while now. Well, I he think, was really good this split. But was, but you know what I mean. So yeah. it's like I, I don't think it's fully fair to say. Oh well, he has core, so of course. No, core is not the god walking amongst men that he was in ages past. But yeah. I just think that this split, you know, it was a good. They were a combined a good bot lane. And really good. Jan deserves the all pro votes that he's going to get. I just went the other way. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it was again. Yeah, this this one was a bit tough for me too. Um, but I put a lot of value in the fact that I thought Jan. You know, was kind of a, a like a really strong lane with Core. Of course, it's hard to separate the two, and it's hard to know exactly where to give credit because I do think Core had a really good split. Um, I thought he had a big jump up in performance that then over what he had had individually for for a while because um, I thought Core had had a lot of mistakes in in the past couple of years, a couple of splits or whatever. But Jan, I think was was a really big performer. I do think he had some of his kind of like oopsie moments. Maybe he had more oopsie moments than like Unforgiven or whatever. Um, but I thought he had some really high highs, and I thought overall he he played super super well. You know they were more lane dominant. His team fighting was good. Um, team Liquid clearly has some really big issues, but I didn't think it was necessarily about mm-hmm. the individuals, more about how they actually work together as a team. I, I side a little bit on the Unforgiven side, simply because he has way fewer deaths. I really value that for AD carries. Mm-hmm. Um, probably just a frustration thing when you're just like, well, you know, why is my AD carry there? Why why are they dying in this moment? But they're so critical now, especially with the with the game revolving so much around team fights. Um, you really need to have uh, a good positioning AD carry for team fights, a low desk for later on in the game. Yep. Yeah. I uh, will say the detractor from that is I did think he had some games where he didn't really die, but he didn't really didn't get put, anything done. Didn't put enough damage out. Yeah. yeah. That's that's always the line is like, oh, you want someone. And I feel like actually Double Lift skirts this line usually really well, where he is really aggressive in getting extra damage out um, while not. Racking up too many deaths. Obviously, Hundred Thieves had a really, really rough split, um, but uh, he was definitely a bright spot on that team as far as 
always trying to squeeze out that extra damage. And AD carries, especially towards the mid and late game, can just create openings for your team to be able to get in way better positions for yeah. objectives and stuff like that, depending on chunks of damage that they can do. Not even just killing someone outright in a skirmish or a team fight, but just health differences. And I think the person that exemplifies that best in the split right now is Berserker. Like, this guy is almost never dead at the start of fights, never picked off, just pumping out damage. On Ash, he's he's like just barely outranging this skill he's, shot. He's dueling people on Ash. Yeah, You're like, what the hell? He just stole it out of Jace? What is going on here? Um, but I saw some detractors of him, and it just shows how yeah. dangerous stats can be because the, the detractors were mostly using this like percentage-based arguments around yeah, like I, I his, saw a lot of tweets about his damage percent there, like, there was a there was a reddit thread that kind of blew up which some people started to use this ammo if you're a 6a fan or maybe just like a c9 hater or whatever and the, the caution that you have to have is like percentage stats can't really be used across team comparisons because if you're playing with the highest dpm jungler and you have a really well balanced team where everyone's playing carries like on c9 where mns is a carry and blabber's mm -hmm. a carry and you know, you're playing Ash and you're more helping the team out. Like, you have to look at what's actually happening. And, like, his kill share being low and his damage share being low is 100% a product of how the rest of the team functions. And this happens all the time. It happens in uh, game state matters. You know, like, if your DPM's lower, well, guess what? Cloud9 has, is one of the fastest teams in the league. You know, like, FBI gets juiced up numbers because he's in 40-minute bangers. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. all these things can combine to, like, why stats get changed the way that they do. And uh, the compelling case against Berserker for why he shouldn't be first-team All-Pro is just not there. And then eyeball test is, like, at the end of the day, one of the things you have to rely on. And yeah. he's insane. His, it, the, the biggest thing people were doing this tractor was damage percent and DPM. He's, like, I think second lowest in the league as far as DPM. He's just above Turtle. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Cloud9 has a three-minute faster average game time than the league average. They're, like, the fastest team in the league. Um, and as you said, so Blabber's number one as far as DPM by quite a lot. He's, like, almost doubling the, the bottom of the league as far as DPM in jungle. So he's a very high uh, damage percentage. Fudge is fourth in, in damage per minute for top lane. And if I recall, let me check up uh, MNS. I can't remember if MNS. Yeah, MNS is third, right? So it's like you have guys that are all at or near the top of their roles. So like as far as the percentage-based stats, that really is going to, to kind of cut into that a lot. Um, the damage per minute, you can maybe attack a little bit, but it's somewhat explained by... Um, by the deep, like it did surprise me a bit, but it is somewhat explained by the average game time. Yeah, and I think roll on the team. Like, uh, I don't think Ash. I mean, Ash is, has fine damage, but like you're hawk shotting, you're volleying from distance, you're ulting, whatever. I, I I think it's it's pretty weak stuff. He also leads the league in CSD at 14. He's at eight. Next closest is at three. So like his lane's insane. Uh, great team fighter. Easy one for me. Sticks. And also the the funniest thing to me about the Cloud Nine stuff was I saw a lot of kind of like. Um, I don't know, cases made against Cloud9. Like, I heard more anti-Blabber stuff than I have in a long time this split, too. And I'm like, who who is carrying this team, then? If if everyone thinks Fudge and MNS is bad, and Berserker's not doing anything, and Blabber's, Blabber's just full clearing, who's the carry Support here? King Sven, <laughs> duh, idiot. Uh, it's the Yumi. <laughs> I, I will say, Stixay made it close. I will say all the Golden Guardians players made their the, the first teams all closer than I thought they would be. And uh, they got some first teams for me. Yeah, I, I think uh, Stixay... Carried more games than anyone else in the AD carry position, or like won more games late mm -hmm. with team fighting than anyone else. Yeah, he was like the difference maker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was funny because right after coming back from MSI, I was like, "Oh no, he is the weakest." He was clearly the weakest link in the first couple of weeks for Golden Guardians, and 
then I would like open a Golden Guardians game and be like, oh yeah, you know, teams like they're looking pretty good still, bouncing back from the MSI hangover, but Stixay's really got to stick up, uh, step up. And then that game, he got like he who was an Aphelios late game double kill at the Elder Dragon, and they just like win the entire thing. And even his own team is like, I don't really know what happened, but Stixay killed everyone, so then we just won. <laughs> <laughs> like, Licorice's post-game interview was like, yeah. I wasn't really looking, I was in the pit, and uh, <laughs> then he killed everyone. Yeah. So, Copy and paste that, that for like great. three or four other games, too. I mean, there were a lot of games I felt like he should have won that he didn't, because like Golden Guardians did have a couple troll endings to games, you know? So I was like, man... He almost he almost did it. He almost he almost dethroned Berserker, yeah. but it was good. it was good uh, good try. Berserker but. at the end of the day, the biggest difference for me is that there's no one I would rather have on my team if it, if the game's coming down to five v five. Yeah. If the game's coming down to five v five, there's just no one I I'd rather like I would put more faith in in consistently winning you the five v five, and that's like the biggest difference maker in a meta that is defined by five v five team fights and playing around these objectives. It's often going to be defined by you know which AD is coming in on top, and it's like even I'm, I'm reminded of uh, the cast I did with Huhi, where Huhi was in on the cast with us, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's like, yeah, well at some point in, in every game, Berserker is just going to find a moment, and then he's going to get a triple kill, and Cloud9 will win. And then it was like two minutes later, you know, Zeri goes over the wall, gets a triple kill, he's like, there you go, you know. He specifically, because I think it was like someone, either you or Flowers, posed him a question: Should they go bot or should they go mid? And he was like. Well, they shouldn't go bot because mm-hmm. Berserker's going to get it there. <laughs> and it, yeah, it was like instant payoff on that was was quite hilarious because then he did. Yep. Yeah. But speaking of who he, he was my first team all pro. Uh, I think he, you know, was really, really incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, second team, I had Sven and then I had Core third. Yep. Um, so I guess we were, we were aligned on that. Who he, I think for a long time, when people talk about who he, they always talk about the intangibles, what this guy does behind the scene, you know, what this guy brings to the team as a leader, what he brings as like an in-game coach, you know, all, all these different things. I think for the first time in a long time, maybe first time ever at support, people should be talking about what he is doing in-game himself too, because he was dominating. I feel like this split, he had way fewer kind of like oopsie moments um, that I think people still used to associate with him. They're like, oh, that's just who he, he has bad Oops, mechanics. Oops, his set killed like, himself. Yeah, exactly. He's like, you got a great engage earlier. Don't worry about it. Exactly. But like he had so few of those moments, I felt like, while maintaining a lot of the other strengths. I think that, you know, as far as a laning duo, they were really strong. As far as actually starting team fights, he, they were really strong. He's a flexible player. He's doing so much for this team. I was really impressed, you know, both by just not even not even knowing any of the outside stuff and just paying purely attention to how he's playing a game, I thought he was the best performing support. And it's not like, oh, he has way less of these oopsie moments because he's not looking for these game-winning flanks. It's because he's not looking for these setups on objectives. He's still doing that, and they're working almost yep. every time. So that like that's the most impressive part. It's like he's still such a big controlling part about how they actually want to accomplish the win in the game. And he's not he's not backing down, and he has a really deep champion pool as well. Is the other thing, is that there's so many times where there'll be another interview on stage afterwards, and you're like, yeah, haven't played this in months, but looked good here, yeah. and he's able to play, uh, you know, any other number of engaged supports. Yeah, I, I think uh, the champ pool thing does help push him over the edge for me uh, over Sven a little bit. Uh, I think both of them had really good seasons. I think. Sven's Melio was crazy. Uh, I know it's an OP champ. People are going to mean that, but I actually think he is legitimately incredible on uh, the Enchanters. I was a little worried about some of his other games. I think his Braum is fine. His Rakan is like a little hit or miss for me. Don't love his Nautilus. 
but then his rel was really good in the closing weeks. I think Sven actually had a couple of really g- good games on rel. Even one, the, the one that they lost, I thought he had a really good rel game and he just couldn't save it. Um, so he made it closer, but uh, at the end of the day, I think um, who he just has... It's it's like hard to quantify, but like more game impact for all the reason that you guys were just talking about how how much of like the leader on the team that he he is uh, really does seem like he he contributes a ton in the draft with his flexibility, um, shot calling, working with like the mid jungle trio that we kind of identified. Uh, where Sven Sven is a lot more about staying in lane. It feels like, um, and part of that is Blabbish is doing his own thing. Like it's it's different team dynamics, but it does feel like who he does end up being more pivotal for his team success then. Do you guys feel like support was the weakest role this split? I think mid lane was the weakest role beyond the top two. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there anyone in third for support and contention? I don't think... Ayla was good, but not like... Ayla crazy. fell off kind of a cliff, I think. Yeah, the, the bot lane with him and Unforgiven in lane was not... Chime was good. Chime, Chime is Chime actually probably legitimately the... Chime the, was very good. I think Chime, I, I considered Chime. I considered yeah. uh, Ayla briefly. Um, yeah... Uh, not Ignar, no, no, no. Yeah, no, Chime, Chime's a really good call out. I think yeah. he was good, um, but uh, I think the top TSM's three was... TSM's bot lane is just good. Yeah, TSM's bot lane is, is legit. Like, TSM's pretty solid across yeah. the board. I think top is the one real inconsistency. Yeah. Uh, but just good, not great for, for most of their positions. That's, um, that's how I thought, yeah. yeah. Uh, Core JJ, monster in lane, it felt like, still made a big playmaker, but the team's inconsistencies... It's like hard to separate core from them, even though I don't think he's probably to blame as much as the rookies or Summit or even Pioshik a little bit. Like he's probably the least inconsistent, but they're still happening, and you're like, yeah. I don't know what to do with this. I mean, it's the the TL problems are weird because at the same time, it's like they haven't won in a long time, and they've had kind of similar like mid gamey issues for a long time, and core has been on every single one of those teams. Yeah. Right. So at a certain point, kind of is his fault. Right, like at a certain point, like he needs to be, you know, a catalyst to fix it, or the coaching staff needs to be, you know, changing the way that they're they're approaching the game to try to fix it. Like something is clearly wrong because they can't fix this problem. It's the same thing they've had forever. You're such a crazy good early game team. You're a scrim beast, and you just absolutely drop the ball in these mid and late game situations at a pretty like consistent, you know, pace. So I do think you know it's fair to, to distract from that. One of the things that I, I really felt like pushed Core into All-Pro for me, though, this split, was I just thought individually he was playing very well. He was having so many fewer mistakes. Um, over the last while, I felt like he, he was way more mistake-prone. He was way, mm-hmm. having way more issues individually, even just, like, mechanical issues, missed hooks, missed abilities, missed, like, going to ultimates, being caught out of position for some reason. Yep. So I, I do think he really stepped up in that regard, and I think their 2v2 was very, very good. Um, TL clearly has... Mid game, late game issues. I just, yeah, I, I find it hard to quantify exactly whose fault that is, and to to know exactly where to place blame. You know, maybe if there was another like really, really strong candidate on a team that didn't have those issues, then that could kind of bump them out. But I don't think there was that like shining star third candidate that could really push him out of all pro for me. And and I do think on on an individual performance level, this is the highest I feel like Core has been for for a little bit at least. Yep, big agree. Cool. Uh, moving on, we have. Uh, do you want to do MVP, Most Improved Player, or Rookie of the Year? I don't care. Okay. None of them. How about that? Okay. What if we did none of them, save them for next week? 
That would be bold. Let's wrap it up. All right. Thank no, you for... I, we still got to do the entire playoffs. Uh, the two teams who are dead and the okay. two matchups that are coming. So, I mean, I'm down for whatever. We should, I think we should at least blow through them. Even okay. if we do it quickly because we've, it feels weird to separate it out. Uh, I mean, we don't have to talk about everyone. For, for me, my three MVP votes uh, were... JoJo first, Blabber second, and I did River third. Um, and I felt a little bit weird about putting Double Jungle in there, but I'm going to be honest, I just thought those were like the three most standout players in the league this split. And um, and I felt those guys were like the catalyst for most of their team's wins. I don't disagree, but I went hoo for that reason. It's just I can't ever imagine a team a player who's not first team All Pro getting the MVP. Yeah, yeah I don't like think that. he's. I don't, I don't think Rivers going to win, but I just felt like I, I agree. He's, he was. Yeah, I thought he. I thought he was the best player on their team. When when they win, it's a lot, it's a big team effort for them. But River is the standout, I think. Yep. But I just Blabber's better, and so for me, yep. I put hoo because I don't think the gap between. Funnily enough, I think like the gap between Blabber and River is bigger than the gap between River and Huhi for like importance hmm. for, for their teams. Success. Yeah, I feel Huhi is. I mean, because MVP, you can also start to take into account all of all of the like intangibles yep. that everybody is always talking about with him. I feel like it's massive for Golden Guardians. Every time you talk to any one of those players, they're like. Who he just yells at us. He tells us what to do. Like, who he is taking such a deep, hands-on approach this time. It's like he's built up more and more confidence over the years of his super long career. Um, I just feel like who who he is peaking right now. And I would definitely jump on that train of putting Huey on the it, Join, it, join it, me. It is I, interesting, I'm, though, because the, go, the Golden side. Guardians guys, their campaign, the players, is that River should win MVP. Yeah, yeah because so, of the flashy plays and the yeah. ganks. And, and, so it's, it's yeah. you know, it's, it's interesting, though. Like, just even talking to some players, right? Like, that's either even tweeting out. Hey, man, sometimes a party chooses the wrong candidate to throw their <laughs> weight behind. Sure. Yeah. They're like, um, you know what? A support... <laughs> Can't yeah. win MVP. Get out of here, Bernie. <laughs> there's, there's no way. Um, but at, at the end of the day, I think you know, I think who he would be a great option too. Um, but part partly, like I didn't think that River would win just because, like, but at, but I also realized that from a lot of my discussions with people that there there is a camp of people that think that River is better than Blabber, and I felt like, hey, you know, I, I was having this debate with myself and and like who who kind of really deserves it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like, hey, I'll give him, you know, give him the one point because I, I, I did feel that he was the biggest difference maker, uh, you know, in the games. I thought he was the best player on, on Golden Guardians, who he's definitely up there. But I thought that, I thought who he had less competition than than River had with Blaver, right? So I still felt like, okay, you're the third best player in the league. I'm going to put you in, give you a point. But yeah. uh, I think, I, I don't know, is it going to be controversial that JoJo wins? I, I don't feel like it should be. I feel like... Um, probably most people are going to vote him or Blabber. I don't feel like there's really much of a chance of a third person winning, just just based on just being real. I think Berserker um, might get some votes from carryover from last split and stuff. I think mean, I think a bunch of people might get votes, uh, but no, I think the, the, the two obvious candidates are JoJo and Blabber, and I think JoJo saved his MVP candidacy with the three zero. I end agree. Of the, I think if they dropped any of those games, well, they were on a four game losing streak. If you if you end on like a seven game losing streak or something, I mean, even if they they, but I think they had a really easy strength of schedule too, uh, if I'm not mistaken, for their final three games. It was Immortals, TL, and TSM. So it's like, okay, IMT's a joke, and the other teams are supposed to be worse than you. And if you start dropping those games, even if you end above them in the standings and you beat Immortals but then lose to these teams or either one of them, I felt like I don't know. It's the three zero finish solidified it for me. Uh, it wasn't just a flash in the pan. Really hot first round Robin out of him um, is legitimately, yeah. I think, the best performing player in the league. I think he's a, I think he's the best performing player in the league, and especially 
when you consider, you know, you say with MVP, you have to consider all the other things going on. When you consider the fact that he is their shot caller, that he is stepping up and being a leader in game, that he is fixing a lot of the a lot of the problems, you know, gameplay issues. If like if bot lane is, is making mistakes and whatnot, he's fixing those for them. He's taking the most pressure. He's on a team that really has no stars except him, and he's still performing the best. Like I think when you combine all that, it's actually insane. And I'm really like I don't want to be hyperbolic, so I'll just pose it as a question. Do you like when is the last time you think like a like we had like this level of kind of I don't know like meteoric rise from an NA player? Oh boy! I mean, the th- first thing that comes to mind is Bjergsen. Come, yeah, original Bjergsen, right? Yeah. Um, because the Bjergsen ri- definitely because, had it. because the rises of players. I don't feel like there's been another one that has had like the ascent has been that much. You, you think about like the other greats, right? Like double lift or double something lift like was that. Way, way double lift for go. a long because he was on CLG for so long and, but then and it was didn't tr- win. And so then like it makes it feel different because he's, he was already yeah. Jojo there came for in so long. year one was already really good. One rookie of the year, right? And it's well, one, one year. F- first split championship too. One championship. And now is is I think he's going to win MVP in his second year. Yeah, I mean like uh, bad split in spring though. I think uh, there's been other players who had like that flash in the pan, like Tactical for example. I know people are going to meme this a little bit, but like he subbed in for double lift, did a really good regular season, had a good playoffs. I don't think it's close either. But... I was going to let him finish, but no. All right. He, he's nowhere close to being. Well, like you asked the question. Next time, I just player. won't answer because there's not a good answer. Here we go. We're gonna move on ahead now. So, so that, that is no, no, no. We got 60 minutes. We gotta do the job. We gotta talk about playoffs. I don't care about MIP because I also don't remember who I voted anymore. Most so. most improves. I I believe I did uh, Licorice, Insanity, and I want to say I did Huhi for third. Um, Licorice uh, because it's over the course of the whole year for this one. Uh, yeah, worth. this and rookie are, are both of this the was years. Of the year, and I think a lot of people are gonna be like, "Well, Licorice is really good at MSI. What are you talking about, little bro?" Um, but he was awful in in spring, at, and he, I thought he was like. I remember talking about him on the dive as like, "This guy is actually like I'm a big Licorice fan, but like he's maybe the worst top in the league." Um, he looked really bad in spring, so I do think his individual performance has been an incredible turnaround from talking about him in spring as the literal True. worst top laner in the league to. I voted for him for first team All Pro and felt really good about it in summer. Um, Insanity, I also think, was pretty incredible. Uh, how much of a difference maker he was he has been for TSM and uh, the difference he between now and the previous times he was in the LCS. I thought it was pretty night and day. And I think who he just on an individual level for the reasons I was talking about earlier. Cool. Uh, rookie of the year skipping. <laughs> rookie of the year is pretty weak. I voted I voted Yon, but let's let's be honest, there's not that much of a of competition. I did Yon and then Busio and then uh, I think I had APA third. I was gonna say like, I'm just gonna throw it, even though he only played very few yeah. games, I'll just throw APA, boom. There's like a couple more people that were even qualifying, like Tenacity's not here anymore. I can't even remember who else it was, but let's yeah. it was not a very competitive uh, cast, I don't think. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. All right, so two teams dead in the water now, Immortals and FlyQuest and Immortals really bumping up against the troubled waters they have uh technically as far as people can remember engage now in a rule that is supposed to be in the franchising era which is if you finish uh bottom two for five out of eight splits you are technically able to be reviewed by riot and removed potentially from franchising yeah. it's never happened before it probably won't happen here um and it's been a while since anyone's like confirmed that this rule is still in place who knows you know 
exactly where in the team participation agreement it is. Uh, the rule was only even to make it possible. Yeah, it's like you can them. be reviewed so if you're really not trying. Yeah, My understanding like, is Riot votes and all the teams have to vote. So like everyone has to kind of yeah. wipe you out. It, it only makes it possible. I, I, the chance of that actually happening, I feel like, is... I think the chance of it happening is none, but I will say that they have had an awful run. This is from, from 2020. This is just regular seasons. From 2020 to now, 8th, 10th, 7th, 7th, 10th, 9th, 9th, 10th, right? So the peak was 7th, to be fair, and one of those playoffs, they finished 5th, 6th. Um, but that is the, the only one that was in summer 2021, I believe. Um, and that's like, winning a single best of five across... Three years now. Yep. Um, all and those other budget teams. Yeah, I mean, like uh, people crap on Dig. Say what you will. They've had a couple times where they finished top half of the league. They had a little splash in play-ins or uh, blocking that one time. Uh, they, they've had moments. You know, I, for Immortals, that they are a very uh, sad story right now, and I, I don't know how they're going to turn it around because it becomes this like you know cyclical problem where like up and coming talent do not want to go to immortals you i've heard people behind the scenes say this outright you know yeah i think you can even look at kenvi as a case study of like you know maybe kenvi wouldn't have worked out anywhere but certainly wasn't going to work out on immortals um and, and i mean they've tried so many different players as well uh, like i can't remember the exact stats so i'm not going to just kind of pull it on my butt but like basically they have been changing players more than almost any team if not any team in the league so they have been swapping rosters around constantly they've been cycling through players constantly none of it's working so clearly there are some serious issues like on the organizational side um but i mean at the end of the day it's like this level of performance is just terrible right like yeah. they need they need to fix it they need to make some changes because again like there are teams that are you know budget budget rosters that are doing very very well clg was working on a very small budget as well from from what i've heard clg was spending less than immortals uh when they got fourth right it's like so you can do it uh, of course you're not necessarily going to be winning the championship if you're on a budget budget uh, roster but they need to do better yeah it's it's depresso a little bit i i think um tactical bright and shining star for me mm-hmm you laugh, but I, I mean it, man. I'm just remembering your cast. Yeah. Uh, no, I but yes, I 100% agree. And it was made more clear even this final week. Like, he completely stepped up again. So it's really nice to see because Immortals is such a, like, dark and doomy place, right? For for him to come back, and he's a very confidence-based player. Yeah. But for, for him to be playing, you know, well on that edge, you know, Maybe back being paired with treats again uh, does help in that, like just feeling comfortable Mental. or whatever. But he he looks so much better than he has in in quite a while. So I'm happy to see that. Yeah, right. definitely. And I, I hope get him a team. Yep. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm gonna keep saying it. get tactical team, whether it's on the mortals or not. FlyQuest. Uh, maybe a lot of people are talking about it. Like biggest flop for a roster ever. I think yeah. so. I think so too. They spent the most in the league. The it, only yep. comparable thing to me is 2020 spring. Team Liquid, where Double If was just totally mentally checked out, and they got ninth. It's also like Vitality and stuff. Like there's oh you know, uh, yeah, I was here, yeah, yeah, and LCS. I, I think that's the only other one, and that was not like it was it was it was your star player not really trying, you know, like getting complacent a little bit. Being yeah. he went to multiple international tournaments in a row, getting juiced up for spring. That's where this infamous spring doesn't matter thing came from in the first place. Was like justifying it a little bit. Um, and then immediately double if bounces back and wins summer with TSM and Team Liquid with Tactical become a top three team and go to Worlds. So like clearly it was just like this one time underperformance. And like this was technically only one split, but 
it's hard this to is crazy. It's hard to identify why. Like that that Team Liquid story, you can point to the obvious why. And to be fair to Double If, like Broxa had, I think Visa issues and came in late, and Broxa was like not what he was billed as for the team. They, he they wasn't were like the only one playing bad. Yeah, it's it's not all on Double If. The number of factors compounded, but like here, I don't even know where to start. You know, it's like everywhere except Impact. Basically, yeah. Like Vikla lost all his confidence, started playing terrible. Spika disappeared from having early game impact. Prince wasn't good. What the hell happened to Vulcan? He was he's been no the best laning. support in the LCS for I think uh, the couple a couple years, right? Like for yeah. like three or four years. He stole the crown from Core JJ yep. and then immediately fumbled it. It feels like right when you know after getting yeah. it last year. Vikla was the least surprising to me because I didn't think he was that good in spring. I was you know more negative on him than I think the community was um, because of all his kind of individual bad games. But like. I never expected the bot lane to be bad. Spika really struggled. Uh, it felt like as a team, they never really gelled at all. They were apparently good in scrims the whole year long. So like, what the hell? Like this, this was crazy to me. The fact that they spent like more than ever that they, you know, just like clear upgrades, you know, for the, for the split. And then didn't they made even a make music playoffs. video at the beginning. Fly Quest Summer. summer. <laughs> Losing is a bummer. <laughs> Showcase greatness. Yeah. I've Wait a second. We're we're both showcasing. You're both Fly Quest shows. And the lights just went out on it's us. It's the funeral time. This we, was where the budget went. You know. We just tried to do some promo for Fly Quest, and they turned the lights out on well, us. Well. I, I'll say I'm sad for that reason as well because they were still heavily invested in the league to like do poorly. Yeah, uh, I, I think yeah. I, it's it's like sad and it's also sad that like who knows what the future of these players are. I, knowing that they spent a lot and got this result, I think even if you had said like let's run this back because this isn't the level we had good scrim results and like the players all want to stick together budget wise they just don't think you can take this risk again at this payment in the current like landscape. You of didn't make top eight. It's the easiest playoffs ever. Yeah, you can't you can't run it back at this price point. I guess so. I, th I think this roster is probably going to get exploded now, which is sad because like you want to see the potential of this team, but it's not there. It's it's also just so weird because it's like where do some of the players go, right? It's like Prince came over to NA and his stocks were like all time high in LCK, and then has one really good split here, has an awful split, and then if you're if you just kind of get booted off the roster, it's like. Are you gonna get a big offer in NA? Are you gonna to try to go back to LCK? Will anyone even want you there? Like it's it's weird, right? It's it's really weird mm -hmm. to kind of come off a split like this if the team explodes because people are gonna have a, a lot of trouble, I think, evaluating what these players are worth. I would for sure still pick up Prince. I would like one bad split like this FlyQuest team is such a paradox. I feel like the, yeah. I feel like he's future is. I'm, I'm with you, but it always becomes, like, if it's for LCS, what top team wants him, right? And that's always the struggle, is that it's like, does he want to actually go to, like, you know, like a bottom team? Probably not. Um, but, like, C9's not going to want him. I don't think Golden Guardian's going to want him. You know what I mean? Like, the teams that are the top teams that he would really immediately want to go to probably don't want him. Um, and so I think that's where it becomes tough, where you have to, like, change your your kind of like perspective on like what a, what a team is willing to what team you're willing to join i think this has happened to a number of stars over the years where it's like you're used to always just being on the best team and then all of a sudden the best team doesn't want you and you're like wait i have to go on this team yeah it's uh, it can be a spiral for some some players where they just don't get back on top i would be sad if prince left the ecosystem but i understand if he did um because yep. it's probably you don't want to join if you if your prospects aren't great in either region you probably want to go back to your home region i assume for a number of reasons um but i really like prince i even on the last week when we were doing the um 
He's really fun. What was the, the, the Soul Fighter day? Yeah. I was dressed up as Zaya, and like he was in the, the makeup room at the same time, and he started like jokingly hitting on me and being like, what's your number, you know? And I was like, I'll tell you after you win the match. And like this, like he's just a really fun person to be around. And so like, yeah. I'm going to be sad if like he's not there anymore. Uh, yeah, it's funny. I uh, So the last day after they were already eliminated, not in playoffs, and they were they were about to play, like I always go to the restroom. I saw, saw him going in. And my default, whenever I see any pros, and I'm, I'm always like good luck and I said good luck and he stopped there and he looked at me and he was like good luck yeah. <laughs> and I was like oh shit uh, <laughs> uh, yeah good luck have fun I mean there's, there's a lot of fun players on this team I think I think Vikla on the reel is gonna be the person who's has the hardest time landing on his feet because mm-hmm. the opinions are so negative about him um, but I mean, Impact has been good in this league forever. Someone's going to want him. Yeah. You know, Spika, it's obviously sad because that guy's a content machine. You hope that he, you know, he's going to land on his feet. Uh, Vulcan as well quietly has, like, you know, kind of gone off socials because they're doing so bad, right? But, like, he was such a fun player to listen to and, and see the trash talk from for so long. So um, I hope these guys can, can bounce back. Yeah. It'd be sad if they don't. Playoffs. All right, let's move on to these matchups because we are 70 minutes deep in this episode and we have to preview two playoff matches. First one is Team Liquid versus Energy. This is actually super hype. They were 1-1 in the regular season, 4-5. and five. The two most inconsistent teams two. squaring off. Dale is not inconsistent. They're consistent. These games have to be bangers, though, because Team Liquid, so many times, they get big early leads and they... You know, the game gets crazy. The you know, something happens late game, they lose. They're holding so much energy, money, they just can't handle it. Energy, the opposite. They never know what you're gonna get. Maybe they screw the early game super hard, but then they make a pick in the late game. They run through. They kill the Nexus. Oh my God, we're gonna get some crazy endings to these games for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, yes, technically they are consistent in the fact that they get early leads. They're and really good early and they're really bad late. Yeah, uh, that did get better with APA being added. But then there was that one game where he took the super blast cone under the turret, and then they threw, and I was like, whoa, is this the first step to a team liquid throw? And then it was, and they lost. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about APA in playoffs as well, because he's yeah. pretty new, and he has, you know, kind of a different style of champion pool, so... Ziggs is yeah, the style. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's Ziggs, but he, he's, he's, like, he also, like, his most played in, in solo queue is, like, Casio and stuff like this, yeah. right? So, like, he has his different picks. Um, I wonder how that is going to work come playoff time because when people have different style of champion pools, sometimes they're going to get targeted pretty heavily in playoffs. And I think Palafox has been playing really, really well. So, like, I am confident that Palafox can be really good on all the meta picks. I'm less confident that APA can be. So I think the APA is going to have to make sure that he has a deep enough champion pool with, like, his comfort stuff to, like, if he's getting targeted, he still has good matchups to go to. Because if I'm energy, I think that's that's immediately what I'm thinking about targeting and pick him in. Plus, Palafox also does have weird stuff in his own back pocket too so mm-hmm. like i could see you know with this is why playoffs is different is like you put, you're prepping for three teams across the week during the regular season you don't want to go too hard on strategy and one particular opponent here you're like okay give me a couple zigs counter picks that we can prepare in game one if we want to open it or maybe that's like our game three strategy things aren't going good we're going to early ban it in the series and you have like multiple layers that you're going to try across a series whereas like you get the one shot in the regular season and you're like ah oh, damn that game's over all right on to the next one so the APA versus Palafox, I think, will be a pretty big linchpin for strategically what's going to happen in this series. Also, minor note, so C9 finished first. They got to decide if they were on the side of the bracket with EG or TSM or if they're on the side of the bracket with TO or Energy. They chose to be on the side with EG and TSM. Um, so they chose to, to not be on the side with TLO and Energy. So they obviously think that's the harder side of the bracket. 
Yeah, I think the only thing you do need to ban against APA is the Ziggs. I, I actually don't care about any of the other, you know, comfort picks or the Cassio or anything like that. The Ziggs is a problem, though. Ziggs is extremely good. That's the only perma-ban you need. So I feel like it doesn't even hurt you that much to target ban. Because usually when you think, oh, they've got a player that you can just target ban, uh, then you're going to have to sacrifice other things like, oh, Kindred for Pioshik or something like that. Um, but I really feel, actually, the only thing evaluating it is, like, the Ziggs really brings it all together. Yeah. So Ziggs probably going to get knocked off the table. It's uh, just, just to give you his top three most played in solo queue, Cassio, Kled, then Pantheon, right? So, like, this guy has a bit of a wacky champion pool, and then it goes Tristan, Ziggs. Yep. So yeah, And the only one I care about is the Ziggs out of those. Yeah, and if he plays Trist, you know, Pal Fox will play Silas or something and has his, his answer. So I think that's a, that's a big matchup. I think uh, uh, the rest of the board, the best thing for TL is maybe topside, depending on what kind of Dokla shows up. Dokla did have a much better final week of the regular season, and he can have his own carries that we've seen him pop on Fon Aurelia and Yone and but not since spring I mean, he had it's been a while yeah I, like I said he had a one of the games this week he had a, a good performance I can't remember quite uh, which one it was but I think Summit is just the king of top lane right now in lane phase and he slams people harder than anyone else and I think Dokla also had the worst laning phase in in the league in top lane as uh, far as, as far as CSD let me let me double check I'm pretty sure it was solo or maybe I'm misremembering solo definitely had yeah. rough yeah he, Do he, no Dokla so solo is is negative five point three CS. Haunter is negative six point two. Those are usually the guys who say people say are mm -hmm. nine ten. Dokla negative eight point seven CSD at ten, uh, and then Summit is positive twelve point four. So this is these are people polar opposites in the league right now. Maybe it's a little bit different at fourteen. I'm just looking at ten stats right now. Yeah. Um, but I remember looking at this and being like, wow, he was actually the worst in the league. As far as like gold differential at ten, he's second worst in the league by like all metrics. He is just awful at laning right now. So, like, I think this is actually a crazy mismatch. You're talking about maybe the worst laning top laner in the league versus far and away the best laning top laner in the league. This could be, if Dokla doesn't have a really good series, this could be an absolute just top canyon. Could be. Could be. Hmm. I have, for some reason, I have that feeling that it won't just because we have, like, we, we have more familiarity with Dokla's game. It's not like, oh my god, yeah, he's gonna be this black hole to to, I, to soak to summit. But I'm I, that's how I felt the whole split, but I'm like, man, the whole split ended and he never got back to the guy that I thought he was. I think it, it, it's like, so now I'm at the point where I'm like, well, you have to prove to me that you're that guy again. Well, so a couple of things for the, the Dokla lane phase thing. Uh, he hasn't died as much in lane as like a, a Solo and Hauntzer who have like multiple four, four first blood deaths as well as way more during the lane phase, way more ISO deaths. So yeah. while... I think he's better than Solo and Hauntzer. Yeah, but I also think he's not like getting giga gapped in terms of getting solo killed and stuff. Like, he actually doesn't have a ton of ISO deaths. He's not making, like, the back-breaking mistakes, which is one of the things that happens to Summit in playoffs and has happened even when on, like, the great C9 roster is, like, okay, you're winning by 15 CS with, like, a pretty lane-centric matchup, and now you're going to team fights up 500 gold, but you're also getting into it. Like, he still makes these mistakes. Like, this can happen. And so, like, mm -hmm. I think, um, yeah, it's obviously going to be Summit favored in lane phase, but if he's not making the backbreaking plays, I think it will come down to like long game time because this, like you said, this is the team liquid problem. Mm -hmm. If they don't blow people out by 10k at 15 minutes, they lose a lot of games. Yeah. yeah. The thing is, like, I yeah, I agree. Like, it'll be an early lead. But the more interesting part about this matchup is the 
how the teams after. how the teams play <laughs> yeah. through mid game. I mean, because uh, en- energy has similar problems too with the FBI, where yeah. like FBI, I think his highs are high, and he manages to get himself in, the, in a good positions, you know, fairly often. But I do feel like I don't have that much confidence that he'll like if he has a lead. There's certain players who are like, okay, they won the game. FBI is not one of those. He's no. had a lot of moments where he is really far ahead and makes a bad play and dies. And then all of a sudden the game kind of flips on its head, right? So I think both these teams have some of those struggles. Uh, if, if you want to put, give, put on like the energy favorite hat, it's definitely the energy has played kind of like up to the level of their competition, right? Like they play really well against top teams. Um, against top five, I don't know what the actual season ending record was, but I know at one point it was tweeted out they were like six and two versus top five, and then they were like horrible record versus bottom. I think it only got better because then they beat C9 again. So so it's like versus playoff teams, Energy has a really good record. So like maybe they really will just like rise to the occasion and play incredible in playoffs. And I think if that's the energy that comes out, I think energy at their best, I think will be TL because TL has never really shown to me that they can fix their mid and late game problems. Um, but it's it's hard to know for sure uh, what energy is going to kind of come to the table. Yeah. I like. I feel like you're going to look like an idiot either way with the prediction in this because it's like you predict Team Liquid and it's like they, they troll a bunch of late games. They end up losing the series. Mm-hmm. How could you believe in this team? They've never shown that they can like keep it together. Yeah. Over a stretch of time. So, of course, you're not going to win a best of five. You predict NRG. Team Liquid just steamrolls them in the early game. It's like, how could you not predict this team? They're so much better in the early game. So, I feel like this is one of the series where I really have no idea what's going to happen because the variance for both teams is so high. Um, I, like, I kind of lean NRG just because we've seen them challenge C9 in playoffs before with this group of guys. I... I have a little bit more confidence in them. I'm a little scared about the APA situation. I'm, sca- I'm, I'm more scared that the APA situation results in a loss than I am about Doko getting gaps resulting in a loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still th- I, th- I think that top is going to be a huge gap. Yeah. Uh, I think that some is going to smack him. But I, I do agree with what you guys are saying in that like Dokla losing lane every game to Summit doesn't necessarily equate to a loss. Whereas I think if Palfox is running over mid lane, like if they can create advantages there, that affects I think Pioshik, that, exactly. that can affect bot lane, yeah. spreads out to the rest yeah, of the map. Speaking of the junglers, these are two crazy ass junglers. <laughs> yeah. this is, speaking of the jungle, these they, are some crazy they, ass motherfuckers. That actually, like, this is actually two really like they've been playing psychopath junglers here. Both Pioshik and Contracts have huge variants here. And I'm very high on Pioshik right now, um, but like going up in a best of series uh, versus versus contracts versus versus energy, like this this could easily uh, like you're saying, you know, oh how could you not predict it to go this way? I could easily see jungle being like, oh my mm-hmm. god, massive jungle gap uh, one way, and then next game it's actually massive jungle <laughs> gap the other the other it's, way. It's just so funny though because yeah. if you talk about individual lanes and stuff like. Teal's early game is just so good that you just start thinking about if you go about lane by lane, you're like, of course Teal are going to win. They're slam top lane. They're 2v2 buys way better. APA's yeah. been playing great. And, you know, like, Pioshik's early game has been so good. Like, of course, of course they're going to slam them, right? But then it's like, you really have to temper that when you realize that it's like, yeah, they always do that, but then they mm-hmm. always have these other issues. So um, I do find it, like, to be a really hard to predict series. I agree that, like, any prediction, you could come out looking like an absolute buffoon because Teal could just have that early game and then not make the, the mid-game mistakes, and they could crush energy <gasps> summit doesn't get kit picked off in the mm-hmm. late game it could happen 24 isolated deaths in the regular season number one the of best, all players uh the best was so, the dokla casting the team liquid game and when oh, yeah. summit died he's like oh i've never seen this before yeah. <laughs> and now they're playing against each other i mean there are there are players that 
people's entire strategy around that player when they start losing becomes go kill this guy because he's going to give you some freebies, right? Yeah. And Summit is one of those guys, but at the same time, plus 2,241 gold is Teal's average at 15, which is absolutely absurd. And to compare that to energy, energy is negative 463, which is more like yeah. average-ish or a little bit below average for the early game. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see it. Team Liquid early favor, and then Energy have had really strong mental. Like I say, a lot of these games stick out in my head, maybe, that they're comebacks. So uh, maybe maybe it's not like such such an impressive thing, but there have been a decent amount of games where Energy is losing, mm -hmm. and they still win the game. There was one of them I casted. The Gold Graph had one pixel where they had a gold lead. And the, That's and, all they need. And then they won the game. <laughs> because, yeah, they, they even when they're down, I, maybe it even comes... Even when they're down, they're up. Maybe it comes from being non-rational gamers. and non rational gaming, having baby. Having so many... <laughs> Let me finish! Sorry. What was I even going to say? I don't even remember now. Uh, yeah. Oh, you said they're always they're always down. Uh, maybe yeah, it comes no, from well, being Well, they have really strong mental. They've, fa they've found picks that can still win them games. When they're down like three, four k or whatever, yep. basically is. I'm the, I'm gonna go energy. Just to the point. You sold me on energy. It was was where you're really? going with that. Yeah, like they they'll win any game, and I think uh, <laughs> also lose any game against bad teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah but but TL's too good. TL's not a bad to team. To. Yep, exactly. Non-rational. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> TL is far too good. That's where they made their mistakes. Uh, I'll go. Three if this was Immortals against them, three zero Immortals. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go three two energy. I don't know how you feel? Yeah, that's how I'm feeling too. Uh, but I honestly, that's that's just me saying. I don't really know. This yeah. this one could go either way. I don't know that it's actually gonna be a five game series. I hope we get a five game banger. I I wouldn't be shocked if either team three would each other. I understand. All right. <laughs> uh, TSM versus EG three versus five. Um, I think six. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, you're right. They're both listed at five here. I just read the the thing. I didn't use my brain. Um, so. I, I felt like this a couple of weeks ago. I would have felt a lot more positive for TSM, but I think TSM has been on a pretty big downward trend. Uh, I think that EG, you know, after their 3 0 with Shaden, I think are, are looking pretty hot. One of my biggest concerns for TSM is just is top lane. Absolutely. I think Concert has really been struggling. He was on his six game streak of Renekton where they're looking pretty, pretty good. Ever since then, Renekton is first band, first round band against them every single game. Every team is doing this. Every team has recognized this as, as a huge weakness. Um, and I've heard this from multiple top laners that they think that like Hauntzer on Renekton and Hauntzer off Renekton is like a massive gap in performance. And so unless he can really step up on something else, I think that is a huge issue because I think Revenge is playing well. I think, you know, even though Insanity had a, had a great split, I really do favor them heavily in mid. It's the guy I voted for MVP. I have to. Uh, I think the EG has a lot of edges across the board. I think TSM's bot lane is definitely really good, but it's like I favor them in, in most roles. I favor EG in probably four out of five roles. I favor Boogie probably, um, maybe over Shaden, but I think Boogie had a, had a pretty darn Support's good split. Support's pretty but close, too. Support is also very close. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like I, I really think that EG are pretty heavily favored here. So this was the last game of the split for both of these teams. It was 2-0 for both of them mm -hmm. during the regular season for EG. Uh, the second one was with, with Shaden. So yep. they did one with Armeo, one with Shaden. Both were victories for EG. And JoJo... Just, I mean, the last one is the one that I actually remember because that was the most recent one, but that was the JoJo Tristana again. And absolute perma push, absolute 
massive pressure there. Unforgiven also had a good game on the Kaisa. So, um, and they also already used the uh, Ivern. Like, it does feel like Evil Geniuses um, have have a lot of advantages coming in here. But to me, the most worrying thing for TSM is actually not even from the games. It was from the interview that Revan did with mm. Degon, where he was concerned about the player's focus. And, and that was recent, only like a week or two weeks ago, um, heading into the last week of LCS, and then that can transition into playoffs. So um, in, the, in the interview, Revan says, we're going to have a really big meeting tonight, and I'll let you know you know how it goes whether we win or lose then you'll know how the meeting went getting everybody on the same page and getting everybody focused for playoffs uh and then they after that they lost to eg so it does not bode super well i am very curious as to like what that meeting actually entailed and you know what what conclusions they came to as far as the direction for the gameplay for this team. Yeah, well, because it's a four-game loss streak now for them, including a loss to a FlyQuest, who, you know, obviously was not super impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, C9 and EG, fair enough, and then they lost 100 Thieves before that, you know, so it's a team that, to this point, doesn't feel like it's heading into the postseason with a lot of momentum. Who knows what's going on behind the scenes? Um, and then, like you were saying, as they strategically, it does feel like a tough matchup. I think Golden Guardians and... EG are the worst matchups for TSM because it feels like so much has to do with insanity, getting pushed and doing things. Yep. And now you're against mid laners who are just really good uh, in those two teams that can really shut down insanity. So, yeah, I, I don't see how they win this series across five games. I think they can win a game or two, but JoJo's going to basically be winning mid lane for most of the series. Your bot lane is probably your, the biggest mismatch for TSM in their favor. Um, but they're not like turbo lane dominant where they, they smurf you. It's more like they break Chime out who starts roaming around with Boogie and make some good plays. So I can see the way, if it does happen for TSM to win, I can see the way for them to win, but it's not to put Hanser on Kennen like this. It's to put him back on like <laughs> on Gwen. Back on Malphi or Orn and team fight. Your bottom lane is going to be your most reliable lane. Since mid lane's going against JoJo while Insanity's been good, I feel like you know that's going to be hard to rely on for team fights. I think the way that TSM does win is maybe not win early game, but win the team fights, build for team fights, have Hanser on front line. Boogie's been pretty good at facilitating. Um, you can have double front line Hanser and Boogie, and then rely on bottom lane carrying team fights and try and send some amount of resources mid so that yeah. mid is not completely like JoJo doesn't get freedom to rule the map. Basically, you have to at least like. Put put them under control and give insanity something to work with, but if yeah, that that would be the way that I would see the win. I think I think it's hard, right? Because it's like everyone feels like JoJo's playing so well that you have to focus him. But then to me, EG's plan becomes very easy. If it's like if your mid laner is winning the one v one, you just have to play for the two v two and the three v three, right? And just protect this guy and start warding around him. And that's one of the things that built confidence. Not just that EG won the last week, but that they actually started to understand how they have to play around JoJo to enable him. They're putting more vision behind him. They're actually roaming and matching the you know the roam timers from the enemy because it's like that is a clear way to BDGs. If you can put JoJo in the dirt, then all of a sudden the map falls apart. Uh, I do think it, like it's, there's possibilities that TSM could could win this. You know maybe Buki could get a big advantage over Shaden. We don't know how Shaden's going to be playing, right? It's like obviously a lot of pressure. I think going into this playoff series, you only played with the team for one week. They did have a really good week, but like. 
if Boogie has, has, has a really good performance, if they can win around you know, mid lane 2v2 and that sort of stuff, then I think that can spread into the rest of the map. I do have concerns that if they play really slow and they're just like, okay, we're going to pick Orin and we're going to go for a 5v5, we're going to play Jinx every game. Like, I don't know that they're really going to re- reliably outperform you know, EG in 5v5s either because I do think, you know, when I think of Unforgiven, even though I didn't put him as my, my third team all-pro, I think that's kind of like his bread and butter is if you allow them to, to just like get to that stage where he's going to play well in 5v5, like he is so consistent in that stage. Um, and if Hauntzer is always taking the losing matchup against Revenge, then it's like I could very easily see losing control of the top side of the map pretty quickly, right? It's like if, if we're just going to blind pick tanks and you're playing into Gwens and things like this and, and losing push, then you're probably going to be losing Heralds. If JoJo's winning, then you're losing top side of your jungle and it like can really start to snowball. So... I'm definitely concerned for TSM, like what their game plan is going to be. But it feels like no matter no matter who it is playing against EG, you have to have a real plan for JoJo, and you have to have some way to answer him. So maybe it's you know a clever pick from Insanity. Maybe it is just playing heavy, drafting heavy for two v two between Boogie and Insanity, and and counting on the fact that you can win out there. But uh, I think if JoJo is kind of given freedom, I think EG is going to roll him. Even then, like it's five game series, you can't just do that once where you f- have a clever pick. It's like, okay, they're going to adapt now. What are you going to do for the next two games? Assuming that they actually answer this somehow. So mm-hmm. that's why for me, the, I, I really don't think mid jungle is actually a, a way to consistently win against them unless Shaden just like shits the bed <laughs> somehow yeah. uh, and they don't support JoJo at all and they're just never playing around him. I think it has to come come through bot lane because uh, I do think legitimately if like Chime and Turtle play hella aggro and are just like burger flipping games all the time, like <laughs> that's like yeah, just fight to the death. Let's go. Like maybe that's actually the best way because I haven't been very impressed with Ayla and um, Unforgiven's decision making under under pressure too. Especially it's like the the FlyQuest loss sticks in my mind where they just like jump on the other guy because like Armeo's kind of around, but like what are you doing? Because they They just just jungle and you had no sums. Like it's such an obvious don't go for that play. Just the sums thing alone is like you shouldn't take this. And they did. So they they have some very questionable decision making and like maybe you can pressure them there. The, The biggest my biggest concern is always just that it's like. Jojo has just shown that he just rolls every mid feels like 1v1 if, if you allow him to do it. So it's like not that that is the easiest way or the most consistent is to play 2v2, but I just feel like if you don't, Jojo's probably going to win mid and then he's going to go bot, right? Like that is the problem. And I think that is the, the difficulty of, of dealing with this team is that the Jojo problem is not an easy one to solve. So you know, I'm pretty EG favored in this one, but I hope that you know, TSM really can make a, a good series of it and, you know, and, and show us something surprising. Yeah, I think... Uh, I think they have already surprised so many times mm-hmm. that I'm going with. All right, um, I'm I'm keeping the fire alive. It'll be interesting. Do you do you believe in a TSM win then? I mean, do you believe that there's a possibility? Yeah. No. Like, What's, do you, your do you be- What's your prediction? I mean, nobody's gonna pre- like predict the. This is the most massive underdog, right? This okay. is this is the uh, biggest difference. It's rank three versus rank six, right? Mm. So like. Predicting TSM to be the higher chance of, of winning is is kind of trolling. To say that they don't, there isn't a possibility of winning though. I think is is also trolling. Like they, yeah. yeah, they are the underdogs, but there's there's a legitimate chance. I mean, yeah, turtle turtle has been super consistent. That's why I went with like the team fighting uh, idea, and and I feel like Chime has also been sneakily like one of the Chime best really supports. So. 
You know what? I was going to go 3-1, but since you said it'd be trolling uh-huh. to say there's no chance, I'm going to say 3-0 EG. <laughs> <laughs> right. I will troll, actually. Like Don't mind if I do. 3-0 EG. Okay, I'm, I'm 3-1 EG. I think, uh, I think it, it should be a good series, though. I'm really excited. Uh, playoffs, remember, it's not on Wednesday. No Wednesdays in playoffs. This is going to be Thursday and Friday. So Thursday is EG TSM. Friday is TL versus NRG. Should be a lot of fun. That is going to do it for this episode of The Dive. It was a doozy, 95 minutes, maybe all 100 even at this point. Um, But remember, if you're watching us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode of The Dive. You can also check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor.fm. Keep sending us your questions. Uh, If you want us to answer some playoff questions and stuff going into next week, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag The Dive, LOL. I already said it. LCS Summer Playoffs kicks off this Thursday on July 27th. It's EG versus TSM at 2 p.m. PST. We'll see you there.